0: To the cheek shoes, keep one only good truth, with your host, Giovanni Canales. And we got some nice stories from you for you today. Uh, we got the and my, my MVP predictions before the season starts. We got some talk about the MOB. I know I don't really talk about the baseball MOB that much, really, at all. Uh, but I'm gonna be talking about how they're trying to implement this new robotic uh, umpire system almost. Uh, I'm gonna rank my top, I believe, 10. Wide receivers and talk about Melvin Gordon and his contract situation and the 49ers. Uh, just, to, just to preface the video before I jump into uh, first would be the MVP predictions. Sorry if there's any echo. I'm in a new room, bit of an awkward setup. Just trying to figure it out. Got a new camera, obviously, as you can tell. But just, just a warning for ahead. Just, just stick with me if there's a bit of an echo. All right. All right. So, without further ado, let's hop into my MVP predictions. So, what matters in an MVP? What matters in an MVP is three things. Well, yeah, three things. You gotta have the narrative. You gotta have season success with your team, and you, gotta, and you gotta have the stats for it. You can't be like on a great team, and you know you, you have all the narrative in the world. Like, take for example James Conner. If they make the Playoffs, great narrative on a great team, but the season stats aren't really there and also the value to the team, of course. And then also the fourth one, which I didn't really want to mention, which is more of just memorability throughout the season, like Patrick Mahomes for this past season making incredible throws, the no-look throws, stuff like that, memorability throughout the season. So let me start off. These are five quarterbacks that I believe fulfill those. Playoff success, has a narrative, uh, not have success, uh, season success, that's what it is, a narrative, and can get the stats for it. So these are five players. I got Patrick Mahomes, Drew Brees, Tom Brady, Andrew Luck, and Philip Rivers. Now, all these players I know have the ability of getting 11 or more wins this upcoming season. They are able to get the stats, and they have the narrative behind each one of them. Each one of them has a narrative. And some better than others, some stronger than others, some weaker than others, uh, some able to reach farther audiences, younger audiences, older audiences, but they all have a narrative of some sort. But let's start off with Patrick Mahomes. Now, I believe that Patrick Mahomes, even, even though he's in the conversation for MVP, I don't believe that he's going to win it. I just don't. The last player to win MVP back-to-back years was Peyton Manning, and I believe 2008 and 2009, as my notes tell me, and he actually did it twice. He did it in 2008, 2009, and also 2003 and 2004. I believe in 2003 he actually shared the MVP, so we can maybe say he won back-to-back MVP twice. It's actually crazy because not many. And I think he's the only player to do it actually, and but I I, I believe that. The likelihood of him winning MVP back to back years is not that high, uh, especially coming off his second year. Incredible expectations, super high. Five thousand yards, fifty touchdowns, not that many interceptions. Expectations are all the way up here, but then he's got to reach close to that if he wants to win MVP again. And but but I believe that he shares a lot of similarities to Dan Marino and will have a Dan Marino-like third year. Dan Marino also won MVP second. Second season in the NFL. He put up similar numbers to to, uh, Patrick Mahomes. Over 5,000 yards. 48 touchdowns. Almost 50 touchdowns. Just like Patrick Mahomes. Lit up the league. Had one of the best offenses in the league. Uh, First round in the playoffs. Great talent. He won his MVP in the second year, like I said before. Dominant offense. And he carried them throughout the playoffs. The defense was kind of eh, Just like Patrick Mahomes. Uh, They went 14-2 in the regular season. The Chiefs went 12-4. They had a home field advantage, like I said. But in the playoffs, they, they, they still continued it. They beat Seattle 31 to 10, beat the Steelers 45 to 28, I believe. Again, offensive force. But then they went against Joe Montana and the 49ers and lost 16 to 38 in the only Super Bowl that Dan Reno ever went to. And third year, he, you know, he, he kind of fell off. He wasn't that same MVP caliber. He still had a great season. No doubt about that. He still had a great season. He had 4,137 yards, 30 touchdowns, 21 interceptions. He was just not an MVP. Those are just not MVP numbers, especially in, in the modern NFL. And I think that same thing's going to happen for Patrick Mahomes. He went to the playoffs this year, beat the Colts in with 13, very high scoring game, but then went against this, gener- this generation's Joe Montana, the GOAT of both eras in Tom Brady and lost. Of course, it wasn't as a blowout uh, as Dan lost to the 49ers, 16-38. It was against the Patriots, and they lost 37-31. to 31. Not not really the same blowout kind of style. And I believe that, unlike Dan Marino, Patrick Mahomes will probably win the Super Bowl. But I don't think he'll win the second MVP. I just don't think he will. Now, next on the list, I have Tom Brady. You know, for Tom Brady, the numbers are there. Statistically, he's probably around there every single year. Yeah, some of the narrative going into his, like, whatever, like, I don't know how, I don't know how many seasons he's played, but it was, like, a hundredth season and possibly winning MVP. Probably will be the oldest player ever to win MVP. But I just think that this season, especially with him aging and having great running backs argue there, like Sonny Michel, I think that the Patriots are going to shift more of him being a offensive leader more than more of a playmaker like Patrick Mahomes. So he'll also have the stats there, but they just won't be high up there just like Patrick Mahomes or Drew Brees or Philip Rivers or Andrew Luck. So he'll so he'll definitely be in the conversation. They'll, they'll play great, but he won't have that significance all the way up there or have those flashy plays all the time. Same with Drew Brees. He started off strong last season, first 10 games he had almost 2,000 yards had 25 touchdowns, had one interception, and, and, a, and had a, a passing completion percentage of 77%. Those are crazy numbers. And, and he was in the top four MVP alongside Patrick Mahomes. And you could probably argue that he should have won over Patrick Mahomes. But the reason why he didn't was because he fell off in those last six games. Well, last five games, because the sixth game he didn't play in. Because for a rush reason, so for the playoffs. But those last five games that he played, he completely fell off. And most notably against the Dallas Cowboys, where he threw an interception of this one right down to the dirt, nowhere close to the player, and noticed was just bad. It's just bad. But those last five games, he threw, barely threw over 1,000 yards, seven touchdowns and four interceptions, completion percentage dipped from 77%, all the way down to 69%, Just not great. And if you do proportions and proportion it out to a whole season, that's really 3,290 yards. 22 touchdowns and 13 receptions, which is more of an average, a bit above average, really. QB, not really great, but kind of still there. Um, and again, like I believe, just like Tom Brady, he'll he'll be saving himself for the playoffs when it really matters most, because he's, he's just that good, and because he wants to preserve, he wants to preserve himself, and he sees just like Tom Brady sees that you know he's had to preserve himself, he's getting up there in age, he's probably the 40, I believe he's 40 years old now uh 40 year old club or he's close to it um and he's having and he's starting to show signs on like tom brady in more severe stretches of dropping out now now he still has the talent around him too still winning which is great for him but these are the two players that i believe have a stronger case for MVP. so these two players one andrew luck two philip rivers all right so first Andrew Luck, back from injury he had some concerns going in after, you know, having that, what was it, like a torn shoulder, a yeah, torn shoulder labrum, and coming back from it. He was out for multiple years from the NFL, going into his first week against, I believe, the Bengals, and they start off the season, the first six games, one in five, and there's a lot of questions is if the shoulder was still bothering him. He still was, you know, performing pretty well, but, you know, there were some throws that, you know, you could tell, ah, is he still injured, and just the way that they were playing, Losing a whole bunch. It wasn't a bit shaky and all that stuff. But overall, they still made the playoff. So you have the story right there from last season. He, he was uh, a really dark horse, uh, almost winner, last season. Uh, going into the MVP race. But last season, accumulated 4,593 yards. 39, close to 40 touchdowns. 15 interceptions. I believe that going into this next year. He'll do a lot better in that. More yardage. Better completion percentage. Uh, more touchdowns, less interceptions because he now he's away from that shoulder injury and he actually got a lot of help from his rookies. Darius Leonard on the defensive side did a lot better. He had Quinton Nelson coming in as I believe, a guard, a rookie guard like that into the NFL and performed really, really well. You we saw that after they started getting there, after the O-line started beefing up and actually protecting um, Andrew Luck, he actually completed a lot more of his passes, had a Interceptions, less uh, incomplete passes. And I I, I believe that he himself has that narrative of kind of being that quiet guy, kind of like a Kawhi Leonard almost, Um, that's always able to get it done. Always able to get it done. He's a great leader, has a very bright personality, and I believe that they'll be able to win still 11 ish games. Um, I mean, he'll, he'll get the stats for it. My only concern with him is injury. Injury, because going back to 2015, he had the torn shoulder labrum, um, and then he also had the grade three abdomen muscle tear. Uh, 2016, he had the grade one concussion. So he's always had these injuries, and that 2015 shoulder uh, labrum tear, it affected him for the past couple of seasons, and he only recovered it, only recovered from it, this past season. Which is why they got off to that one and five start, or one of the reasons why one of the reasons why they got off to that one and five start, and without that and with that problem out of the way, I believe that they'll do a lot better, a lot better. They get off to an nicer start. They're not going to start off one and five, and he's going to have the stats for that. Ty Hilton's going to be there. He's going to be amazing. All that stuff. Now you may call me biased for this, because I am a Chargers fan, obviously, but I got Phil, I got Philip Rivers right there with Andrew Luck as my two. Uh, MVP favorites, I would say. For him, I haven't really seen a dip in the stats like like um like a Tom Brady or a Drew Brees. He's not coming off like that second year where you have a lot more film on him, like like Patrick Mahomes. He doesn't have that injury concern because he's rarely been injured, aside from the Torn ACL. Uh like Andrew Lloyd. So he has all that for him. And he's able to get stats, his team is gonna play super well alongside him. They're going to win more than 11 games for sure. Probably 12, 13 games. Um, and he has that narrative. Uh, as a quarterback that's never won MVP, first of all, and hasn't been to a Super Bowl or won a Super Bowl, and finally actually being more in the spotlight, I guess, of having a lot more attention. I think it can be an incredibly consistent year, unlike uh, Tom Brady and Drew Brees, where he didn't really have a fall off uh, he had a few muck-ups, but those were more overall wins where he's got to beat Denver. They lost uh, 23-22 and they got to beat Baltimore where they lost 22 10 against a rookie quarterback and Mark Jackson. Now, my only concern with Phillip Rivers is when the spotlight is on him, when it matters the most, when the media starts paying attention to him, like they did after they beat Kansas City. After they beat Kansas City, I covered it. I was like, you know, you gotta pay attention to this team. But then in the next game, they play against Baltimore. And when all the leaders on them, like saying, you know what? Maybe they can actually win. Maybe they're a dark horse favorite for 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 the Super Bowl. Maybe they should actually be looked at. Guess what? They lost against Baltimore and it was shameful. Yes, Baltimore had one of the best defenses in the league. But you still cannot go out twenty-two to ten against a rookie quarterback. I don't care. You can't do that. And like I said, those muck-ups, you can't have that if you want to be in the MVP conversation. So I believe that he will be able to win the MVP if he doesn't have those muck-ups. Because his stats are incredible. Not like Patrick Mahomes getting touchdowns, but, you know, pretty good. 4,308 yards, 32 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, 68% completion percentage. He... He has, he has all the tools. He has all the tools. And if he wins the Division 2 this year, might as well just give it to him. But you cannot have any slip ups. You can probably have one game like that. Denver one. It's probably fine. But you can't lose twice like that. You can't have 2 mucks. 2 muckups is not good. I, I can't do that. So I believe he has all the tools in place. And I believe that him and Andrew Luck are actually up there for my MVP favorites. Those are my, my MVP favorites. And if I had to choose between either, I would choose Andrew Look actually. I Mainly just because as a Chargers fan, I don't want to see Philip Rivers win the MVP because that means that they probably won't win the Super Bowl because statistically speaking, no MVP has won the Super Bowl in the same year. So that's just me. But I would love to see Philip Rivers win an MVP, but I just think that Andrew Look probably has a bit more at his disposal and has a bit more of a narrative. All right, now I don't really talk about Baseball too much I mainly because it's like it's not a sport for me. Um, I'm more into basketball, football. Well, I'll occasionally watch baseball, especially when it comes to the playoff time. Because really, it's just all about the season. The season's a bit too long for me, where I just can't keep track of every single team. It's just it becomes tiresome, right? I, it's just not even to watch every single game, all nine innings. But some games are pretty interesting, right? But that's not what I'm here to talk. About. I'm not here to talk about. Baseball and like you know, oh, this team's gonna win it all, or this is my prediction for the World Series or anything like that. Not yet. At least. But this is actually talk about what's being quoted as a you know, robo ump and, and my take on it is that's a bad idea. And let me go over what it is pretty quickly. So the basic rundown of this robo um uh, in quotation marks is is going to be a computer tracking system that uses lasers to. As you see on tv uh show an image of the strike box like this however you want to put it uh from the shoulder from the shoulders of the player all the way down to the, believe, the knees and it is going to tell when the ball passes the plane or the plate and where it is on that strike box and from there it will say oh it, it'll it'll tell the ump through an earpiece or a microphone almost uh, if it's a ball, strike, or I believe the third option is no track, which in that case the umpire makes his own decision. It's pretty simple. But with that it comes a lot of problems, or several problems really, that could occur upon implementation. So just running through it's like maybe the program is only as good as it's uh as its programmer, as the person that actually knows baseball that's programming programming. program. Uh, the margin of error is actually pretty similar to what the, what the MLB states for their umpires was 97%. So maybe there's not that much error. Maybe you have pictures of using it where they throw it all in the corners or on the lines and get that strike. When in fact maybe it's not a strike. Maybe you have problem calibrating it for different players, for different heights, different sizes like Jose Altuve. All the way up to Aaron Judge who's bigger than Jose Altuve. Um, Maybe on that no track call, the umpire is not paying attention because throughout the whole game, they're just having the same call being made for them by the computer. Maybe the computer malfunctions and all of a sudden the umpire forgets what he's doing, crazy stuff like that. Or maybe the umpire, because they had problems with it, can't hear the full call that the the computer makes with a a strike ball, no track. Um, Maybe catchers no longer start framing. Where they catch it and like put it all the way up here so that the umpire can see like where the ball crossed the plane, and maybe they just start catching it right where it is and just get ready to throw it and stops and stops players from stealing bases. Maybe have that. But really, the only thing that really matters out of all of that, because you can throw all of them out there, the only thing that really matters is that it ruins the human element. We don't want robots running the league. Obviously, we don't want robots shooting basketballs or throwing footballs, or hitting home runs. We don't want any of that, we want that human element. Because that's how we got into the game. We didn't get into the game by ha- by having instant replay every single time that we were in the park and we just hit off the tear or something like that, no. It was always, hey, did that, I that like a ball or a strike or something like that, very childhood. It's supposed to bring us back to our childhood, and that's the tradition of uh, baseball, football, basketball, any sport, really. And and at this point, it's just a bit too much of technology. It's just a bit too much. If you have all the money in the world, it doesn't mean that that you start spending on everything or buying new furniture every week. That's, that's not the case. You probably save it, and you probably use it when you really, really need it. In this case, we don't really, really need it. We don't really need this much technology in the world of sports, and in this case, baseball. We don't really need it. It doesn't serve that factor, I mean, and we end up losing that human on. Players make mistakes. They have horrible games when they swing and strike out like 10 times. You know, even though that's probably not possible because players don't go up to mound, or not mound, to to at bat 10 times, but you know, they strike out and they have horrible games. They probably get really mad and frustrated and they blame it on the umpires. That happened! And that's okay! Because that's human nature. It's just baseball. It's football. It's basketball. Players mess up. Players have horrible games. And guess what? Umpires are human too. They make mistakes. Don't try to go after this ticky tack version of baseball where everything has to be perfect. Because no matter what, no matter what, I'm telling you, no matter what, if they implement this, fans are still going to be upset over no matter what. They will be upset. They won't be like, oh, a robot's making this call is a hundred percent correct. No, they're still going to be upset. they to be like, whoa, 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 that's a ball. Whoa, that's a strike. Whoa, he's safe. You will still have that problem with fans. And that's just human nature. That's just human nature. So just leave it as it is. Don't try to implement a new sort of software or program to try to do ticky tack little adjustments to it. The margin of error is already still there at 97% um, for, for umpires, which means that you know to get 97% of the calls right. So you don't need a robot to do it. You don't need a robot to do it. Just leave it as it is. If you don't, it'll be a horrible it'll be a horrible and unnecessary mistake. All right, now I'm gonna take a little break, and I'll be right back. And I still have my N, uh, MVP, my top ten wide receivers. That should be pretty interesting. It's gonna be a bit of a new format. It's not gonna be listing off stuff. It's gonna. Uh, I'm, I'm gonna talk about Melvin Gordon and his contract. I'm gonna talk about. Oh, what is it? and nineers So that should be interesting. So I'm taking my little break right now. Alright, I am back. I got some I got refresh. I got some water in my system. I'm all hydrated now. I can speak clearly now. It's not all you know, musty and murky and all that stuff. But let's hop back onto some topics. I got Melvin Gordon right here on my notes. What should we do with Melvin Gordon? What should the Chargers do with Melvin Gordon? Now, I believe as a Chargers fan, you gotta pay this man. Pay him. Not everything, honestly, but you gotta pay him because that's okay. There. They have Austin Eckler, who's a great running back. You have Justin Jackson, who's also a great running back. You have T.J. Watt as fullback. Not T.J. Watt, my bad. Derek Watt, other Watt brother on the Steelers. Derek Watt, still a great. Well, he's a fullback, great fullback, great, block, great blocking, doing all that stuff. Great receiving too. But let's be honest, Melvin Gordon is far better than both than Austin Ackler, Justin Jackson, and Derek Watt at his job. He's better. He's an elite running back. He is in that conversation. He is an elite one of my, Not one of the best. He's not Le'Veon Bell, David Johnson, uh, or Todd Gurley. That's one I was forgetting. He's not like that. He's not that top three. But he's elite. He is elite, no doubt about it. And he's still on his rookie contract, and this is his last year, which is why there's so much turmoil over it and a lot of conversation over it. Because now there's news that... He's probably gonna hold out some games if he doesn't get a new contract. For me as a Chargers fan, I need him in if we're gonna win the Super Bowl. Because the Chargers are not gonna win the Super Bowl or even the division title if he does not start off the season. He's gonna start the season. For me, this comes this comes over team success over business. Because guess what? If you have him on that roster, you go to the Super Bowl. You you win, you win the division, you get home field advantage. You will have fans packed, and at that point, you don't have to worry about, you know, his contract costs or uh, all that stuff. Now, I understand that there are some injury concerns over Bubba Gordon, some age concerns and all that stuff, but he's not like Ezekiel who I, like, said before. Probably, maybe, you gotta consider trading, even though the Cowboys will pay him, because to cover up Dak's problems and failures... But well, in this case, Melvin Gordon doesn't have any problems off the field. He, on the field, he's a monster. He's great. He's not, obviously, at the same level as he's okay, but he's pretty good. Still on a rookie contract. But you still got to pay him if you, want, if you want to get to the Super Bowl because you still got a good quarterback in Phillip Rivers and the quarterback in my MVP topic discussions. You need him in order to win. Now, the question is, how much do you pay him? Obviously, you shouldn't pay him as much as, like, on Todd Gurley or even David Johnson. Who are young players aside from uh, David Johnson and, and uh, Le'Veon Bell, but they're making over four, four years or three years in the case of Todd Gurley in the case of Todd Burley and Le'Veon Bell, over four years making over 50 mil. In the case of David Johnson, three years, 39 mil, 13 mil a year. And it averages out. Now, obviously, I don't think that Melvin Gorin should make as much as those three. But he should make more than the fourth highest earning running back in Devontae Freeman, who is making five over five years $41.25 million, averaging out to eight point two five. So he should average around $8.25 million a year, all the way up to $13 million a year, which is where uh, David Johnson is, and that's because of his injury concerns, just like Melvin Gordon. Now, Mel- Melvin Gordon shouldn't get somewhere around there, but mainly because of, of his injury concerns, not because of his age. You don't want to have a 30-year-old or something like that running back still on your team with a whole lot of money. Because at that point, they gone through a whole lot of wear and tear. He still don't want that lot of injury, all that stuff. So this is what I believe that he should get. Four years, $44 million. $44 million over four years, which averages out to $11 million per year. And I believe that he should get, of those $44 million, $25 million guaranteed. Um, or that's or, or what I believe. 25 million guaranteed over four years is what? I mean, I can math this out. It's less than eight. It's around six point something. I can't do that off the top of my head. It's summer. It's been a long time since I haven't been to school. It's been a while. I'm sorry, I can't math like that fast right now. Um, but it's close to 6.5, there we go, 6.5. Million million dollars guaranteed per year, which I believe is a pretty good deal. Pretty good deal, and I believe that Melvin Warren would be foolish not to take it. All right, now for the next topic that I believe is gonna be kind of interesting, kind of fun, and it's my top 10 wide receivers. Now, these wide receivers are the ones that just came to my head going through every single team. I probably could have added a few more, like um, Tyler Lockett, Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods. Juju Smith-Schuster, I could have probably added him, um, Stephon Diggs, I could have added different players, that's why right there, I probably could have added them, but these are just the top 10 that came to my head, so I got Tyree Kill, DeAndre Hawkins, Kenan Allen, Antonio Brown, Odell Beckham Jr., A.J. Green, um, I got Michael Thomas, Adam Thielen, Julio Jones, Mike Evans, who I believe are overall, probably consensus, agreed, top 10 wide receivers. Now, for me, I probably have a different layout. Probably off the top of my head, I would think. John B. Hopkins, Julio Jones, top two. And then from there, maybe Antonio Brown. And then at five or six, just maybe. And, and, and we'll see if it's just Chargers' sure, bias. Five or six, I believe. Ken Allen's probably top five, top six. Fifth place or sixth best wide receiver in the whole league. But let's see. Let's see. Because what, what I'm going to do is I'm going to list off these different categories that I believe on a one to five scale that they reside on. And I'm going to compile all those numbers up and we'll see who is is at the top and who's at the bottom and who's in between. So I have four categories right now. Alright, so first is speed, speed, and then catching, and then run after catch. And then the fourth one is red zone threat or red zone playmaking ability. So let's start off with Tyree Kill. Tyree Kill. Alright. Tyreek kill, we all know he's the fastest cat in the league. He's a cheetah. So on a scale of one to five for his speed, it's gonna be five for sure, easy. Now for catching, I have him at three. You don't really see him making these jump up catches over defenders. Uh, you don't really see that too much. You see a lot more of going long distance and beating defenders out and just catching it, which is still great. But I'm gonna give him a three in that. A three. Now, for run after catch, you don't really see him, and, and, and yes, you can point out to his uh, pun returns, for sure, and he does a great job of accelerating past uh, defenders, but that's not so much agility what I'm looking for in run after catch. In run after, in run after catch, I'm looking for agility, elusiveness, oh, ability to juke out defenders, truck through them, through them, stuff like that. But with Tyreek Hill, I don't really get that. I get more of kind of, just speed, which is still great, and his ability to get away from defenders through just speed, just pure speed, so for that, I'm still giving him a three. He's still a great uh, wide receiver, don't get that wrong, just, I'm giving him a three for a run after catch. Now, for his red zone, um, threat, he's still, because, like, I believe, five or six touchdowns in the red zone this past season, So great. Um, he doesn't really come to mind as a red zone threat, but he's, he still does a great job operating in the red zone, probably farther out near the 20-10 yard line than closer in, because I believe that's more of Travis Kelce's domain. So I, so I give him a 4 for that. Next up, I have DeAndre Hopkins. It's fives all the way around. Speed, run after catch, catching ability, red zone threat. He's always been a red zone threat. He had, I believe, the highest amount of red zone touchdowns by any wide receiver in the NFL this past season. Um, He does a great job of being elusive, getting past defenders, not only by his speed, but by his agility and elusiveness. He can make any catch on the field. He's gone through different quarterbacks, all the way from Tom Savage now to Deshaun Watson and Brock Osweiler. And the speed is off the chains as well. Keenan Allen, up next, not really the fastest he's actually the slowest of all of them, and they're to get the slowest, or the lowest uh, speed rating, he's at 3. 3. And, but for catching him, give him a 4, he can make any catch, not, not to the level of uh, John Hawkins, he's not known for getting up there and just, just snatching the ball away from the defenders or like Julio Jones, but he can still make those catches in traffic and all that stuff. Run after catch and red zone threat, it's a 5, he can make those catches and all that stuff. Uh to Catch, you, you can look back to his Dallas game on Thanksgiving. He can make defenders miss, he can do spin moves, stuff like that, that you really don't expect, and he's very smart with it. Uh, red zone threat, again, great great at running routes and making those little cuts and making sure that defenders uh, never really know where he's going. He does a great job with that. Next up I have Antonio Brown. Again, he's pretty fast but getting up there in age, and with that age comes a decrease in speed, so I'm giving him a four. He's, he has crazy little uh, acceleration, though, this is not pure speed, it's more of acceleration that, 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 that you really see. Uh, but I'm not giving him a five because his speed is not what, what it once was. But his catching ability is insane. He makes these incredible catches that one handed helmet, uh, just hugging it to the body that you don't really, you, you just can't believe that he made it. You can't believe that he made those catches. For uh, run after catch, also kind of like Keenan Allen, he knows what to do. He's very agile, he knows how to spin. And any player that, even on a punt return, unlike Tyree Hill, that, uh, even though it was a few years ago, jumps up and, you know, kicks a, a punter or something like that in the face, on the Cleveland Browns, that, that, that's on automatic five for me. Uh, red zone, right? Do I need to say anything else? Do I need to say anything else? you can do anything really and it's just like i want to give the speed of five i'll give it a four that's like really the only thing and a celebration of course it's not a category that i give but it's a five pretty easily five odell beckham jr is up next now for odell it's tricky because he has that lightning fast speed that i am giving a five to. two is catching yes he has that game against dallas where you got that ooh respect like odell what came known as the Odell three-finger catch right there. But I'm giving him a four. It just hasn't had that and then catching, run after catch, red zone threat. I'm giving him all fours across the board. Even though he does a great job. He's not really known for catching the ball in the red zone. He's time after time gotten denied by Josh Norman in the red zone. Not so much on open field. He can, he can make plays on open field. He makes make moves like he did against Josh Norman against the Redskins, I believe. He can still do that, but it's not really to that level that other players can, like Keenan Allen or Antonio Brown or Josh Hopkins can. And also, when you look back into the playoffs against, I believe, the Green Bay Packers, I got to go do catch catching four, not a five, because I didn't really see that catching on display against the Packers when it mattered most in the playoffs. Yes, you can call it the boat incident, but you got to make those plays. Next is A.J. Green. Now, he's been under the radar, I mean, because the thing will suck, and they very well could go probably 0-16 this year. They probably win one game just out of the blue because maybe they probably could, but they Jackson there. Not really the greatest reputation to follow for winning, but he's not really the fastest wide right receiver. He's actually fairly on the slower side, but his, his size allows him to make incredible plays. So that's why I'm giving his speed a 4, catching a 5 and his and his uh, run after cash, a four, and then his uh, red zone threat and ability to perform in the red zone, a five. So four, five, four, five. Oh, of course, you can disagree with everything and some things or nothing that I'm saying. It's just my opinion and I'm just going off what I see, what I believe. All right, so next I have Michael Thomas. Now, Michael Thomas is very interesting. He's very similar, in my opinion, to AJ Green in, in, in these areas. Again, speed 4, catch in 5, run after catch 4, and red zone threat 5. He, again, can, like, AJ Green can just moss people. Just get up there, catch, snatch the ball away. He can turn up the jet. Again, not really known for his elusiveness in the open field. Red zone, he's incredible. He can do all that stuff. Not really lightning, quick speed. But, you know, he can accelerate on the afterburners in the open field and start getting after there. Again, I'm not giving him those high ratings for speed and run after catch cash because he's not really known for that. Next up is Adam Thieland. Now, Adam Thielen I kind of found very tricky here because he does a lot of good things and a lot of things that are like, do I, do I give him a higher grade for this or do I just keep him there or do I give him a lower grade for this? For Adam Thielen speed, I'm giving him a 4. Um, for catching, I'm giving him a 5. Easily a 5. And he, he has an ability to make crazy catches, whether it's just catching over someone, which is, I find surprising because he doesn't really give off that vibe. And he's able to make these tight catches and tight windows. No, and then for, run after catch, this, this is where I had to like, trying to figure out. His run after catch, he he doesn't really run after catch too much. He actually catches it and gets down. immediately. He's a possession wide receiver. He makes sure he has the ball and only if it's open field, then he'll take off and run. So you don't really see him making moves and breaking tackles in open field. You see him more of catching the ball and getting down, immediately. Which, I'm not sure if that's gonna place him higher on the run after catch scale, or probably the lower shot. So I have him at three, because in my opinion, run after catch, you gotta actually run after the catch. So that's why I I give him a three for run after catch. But for red zone threat, I give him a five pretty easily. Julio Jones, it's fives all the way around, five speed. He's pretty crazy. Five catching, Super Bowl against New England. He made incredible catches. You see that one sideline? Oh my goodness, I have no idea how he made that. He is insane at catching the football. Um, Remember not to catch. He has the size for doing that. He's able to break tackles pretty nicely, pretty easily. Breaks on threat. Even though he's not really known for getting those touchdowns, he's he has gotten touchdown. I believe last season it was like up until week seven or week eight that he got like a touchdown or something like that. And he's not really targeted that much in the red zone. But that's because he's getting triple top triple covered and everyone's pinpointing him, which I was bad right into, for other players. But I believe that this red zone threat, which what I'm talking about, is more of a five, so that's fives all around for Julio Jones. And then for my Evans on the last player to go over, speed is a four. Again, not really breakaway speed or anything like that. Catching is five. Oh my goodness! You saw that game against the uh, Atlanta Falcons. Color rush. I think I think it was last year. I think it was two years ago. He made that one-handed catch on the sideline. He caught of cocked it all the way back. He rolled it back in while getting hit in the head. Had to be reviewed for a concussion later on, but still maintained the hold. Still was able to hold onto the ball. Oop. Say no more. He's up there. Catching ability. Unbelievable. Now, for one more not to catch, again, not really for getting out there in the open field, I'm giving him a four. Red zone threat, again. Just like catching, I'm giving him a five. So four or five, four or five. Now, the interesting thing is, I asked my sister to compile a. Well, to add all these numbers up for each player, and to list them all in uh, greatest to least order. I haven't looked at the list, so hopefully she got it right, and hopefully she, you know, actually did what I told her to do, but let's see, and I haven't looked at this before, so hopefully we'll see if maybe it's just my bias uh, as a Chargers fan that puts Keenan Allen at top five, top six. We'll see, but I know for sure that DeAndre Hopkins and Julio Jones are going to be top one, top two. So let's look at, let's see, alright, alright, so I was right. Tied 1-2, and DeAndre Hopkins, Julio Jones. Now, who would I put over the other? This is really where the the debate gets to. I believe that I would get... This is tough. This is on the spot. Uh, I believe I would get DeAndre Hopkins. Just because he's been able to do it with so many different quarterbacks, unlike Julio Jones. Julio Jones has had Matt Ryan for a majority of his career. Whereas, DeAndre Hopkins has had, like I said before, Tom Savage, who you guys don't even know of. Brock Osweiler, who's... Should be out of the league by now, and now it's Deshaun Watson, of course. And then he probably had, he actually had a whole bunch of other quarterbacks. I think that maybe you can throw in Brian Foyer in there, and he still was able to get it done. Alright, now third on the list, there is Antonio Brown at 19 total points. Again, I don't disagree with this, at third. And then it's AJ Green, Michael Thomas, and Mike Evans, uh, all tied at 18, so for 4, 5, four, five 6. Now where would I put these guys? I would put Michael Thomas at four, Mike Evans at five, and AJ Green at six. And then after that, I have at seven and eight, Keenan Allen and Odell Beckham. And I would have ooh and stuff. I would have Keenan Allen at seven and Odell Beckham at eight, just because I know I can trust Keenan Allen just a bit more, especially when match the most. And he's always able to fight through injury, and he's pretty good at running routes and keeping his self contained. Alright, and then at 9, I have Adam Thielen at 17. Again, great player. And then at 10, I have Tyree Kill. So that's really good. It's pretty interesting. So it is maybe just a bit of Charter's bias that puts Keenan Allen all the way in top 6. He ends up being what looks like top 7 or top 8, depending on what you prefer. But yeah, I mean, you're free to disagree with me all you want. But that's, th- this is just my list and my, my opinion. This is the G-truth, so this is my truth. Alright. <laughs> alright, so next I have the 49ers. I'm gonna talk about the 49ers, alright? And this is what I'm gonna say. Pump the brakes just a bit. Slow down the 49ers. I know that people are saying, ooh, they're a playoff there already. They're a playoff there already. You better watch out for them. They're about to take over. Probably not past the the uh, Rams, but the sea are on the decline. So watch out for those Niners snagging that playoff spot. Just found the brakes a bit. Yes, Jimmy G went six and three with the 49 ers but it was it was kind of like the end of the season those, those five wins where he went on the field or something like that. at the end of the uh, 2018 season it was like games against you know there's some many good teams. But it was meaningless games, and they weren't really close to the playoffs at all, and there's not really much tape on them, and now you have to fit in with Kyle Shanahan a lot more. And I think that recovering from an ACL tear injury, a lot of his health is in question. I believe that it's going to take some time for him to actually recover from it. And yes, they do have a nice start to the season. They have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the uh, Cincinnati Bengals, but one of those teams could possibly give them uh a bit of trouble especially early on with jimmy garoppolo trying to recover from that acl tear and uh, the new players trying to figure out where they fit and what their role is with the team talent kind of with the colts uh last season starting off one and five and ultimately uh managers will have the ability to come back from one and five and get into the playoffs now i just don't think so and then after they have the and after the bucks and the Bengals, they have the browns and the rams which are probably going to lose both games And then they have the Redskins, Panthers, Cardinals, Seahawks, Cardinals, Packers, Ravens, Saints, Falcons, Rams, and Hawks. So, uh, for that whole schedule, I probably see five easy wins against the Buccaneers, Bengals, Redskins, Cardinals, and Seahawks. At least one of those games. And then you have um, maybe no wins, maybe against the Packers and I just don't think they're going to beat these other teams and I just don't think they're going to win even, even if they're fully healthy and they are all playing great even if they're fully healthy I just don't think that, I just don't think that they are there yet at that stage or that uh, cohesiveness to get to the playoffs and that's okay they don't have to make the playoffs this year next year there's going to be definitely pressure for them to get to the playoffs but this year it's okay there's a lot of um, just trying to fit together, find your chemistry, fit in Nick Bosa, Quan Alexander, D4, Jason Barrett, those players that they picked up in free agency, uh, and also during the draft, and, in, and then implement their new weapons on the offensive side with and Coleman and Jordan Matthews. A lot of it's going to be figuring out all this stuff, and yes, it'll cost them those few games, but that's okay. They they're not going to the playoffs. They're, they're, they're not going to make the playoffs. But they'll be just fine next year. Next year, they're going to have a great season. And this does not mean that Kyle Shanahan's a bad coach, but that his time in Atlanta was a fluke, or that Jimmy Garoppolo is overrated. It doesn't mean any of that. It just everything takes time. And they will be there next season. But just pump the brakes for this season just a bit. They're not there yet. Just give them one more year, one more year, okay, one more year. They'll probably end up 7-9 and nine this year, actually. That, that's just my prediction. Anyways, thank you for listening to the G-Truth, the one and only good truth with your host myself, Jeremiah Canales. If you are listening to this on the podcasting app of your choice, be sure to subscribe or follow. And if you're listening to this on YouTube, be sure to hit that like button and the subscribe button as well down below. And also stay tuned for the G-Truth. Be sure to spread the news of my predictions and also my channel, whether it's on YouTube or on the podcasting app of your choice to all your friends and family. So thank you for listening to G-Truth. Thank you for listening, thank you for staying tuned, and peace out.